guys want to know a fact that I that I learned this morning while watching? Uh, it was like a 25 minute Dead Space remake video preview. What? How old do you guys think Isaac Clark is in 49. the original Dead Space? Not true. You're wrong. But you're uh, not, ba- not far based off. on his 48? girlfriend. Based on oh, his yeah, girlfriend. Based on his girlfriend, I'm gonna say like 23. You no. think Isaac is 23? Did he's you see 40s. his face at the end of the game? Yeah, he's in his 40s. Does he look like a 23 year old? <laughs> sure, why not? He has a he, his girlfriend looks like she's like 26 or something. It's Hollywood casting. Hollywood casting. Um, Mike, you, any idea how old Isaac might be? Uh, I would peg him for mid 40s. Yeah, yeah, he's 43 at least according to the thing I watched this morning. Maybe there's okay. some other lord that says he's 48, but 43. So I was like, thank God, a video game protagonist who is definitively older than me. At least by a few years. <laughs> I think uh, uh, it's forty nine by the end of I Dead Space Three. Like comments going. No, G- guys, I have something horrible to say. Uh, what? Did you know that in season one of The Sopranos, James Gandolfini was thirty seven? Uh, yeah, yeah. That was so a shocker when I found. Dude, I was like, "What?" <laughs> rewatching The Sopranos, I watched it in my twenties, and James Gandolfini was older than me. And then I watched it recently, and he, I was like, "Oh." In the first seasons, he's like younger than me. It's crazy. Currently, like it was shocking. What are you gonna do? Uh, but yeah, what how old is do? Gordon Freeman? He's twenty-two. He's in- twenty-seven. Tat twenty-seven. Okay. How would he get a PhD at twenty-two from MIT? I mean, that's that's impressive. If he child did. genius. Uh, yeah. At uh, pushing crystals into portals. Yeah. Energy did games? he get a degree in kicking ass? But that's that. interesting that he's that he's that old. That sounds right to me, based on, you know, off the noises he makes, all the dad noises. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Twenty-three year old would not be grunting like that. That rage, mm. stop boxes. It takes a mm-hmm. long time. Definitely. Uh, all right, everybody, welcome. We're here to talk about Dead Space, which which is being remade and reimagined and many other things. So we thought it was a good time to, to get together and discuss the 2008 classic. Mike, welcome to the show. It's good to have you. you. Yeah. It's good to be back. Uh, Kevin, Oren, you guys are looking good. Uh, I'm Thank excited you. to hear your thoughts on this classic. Uh, Dead Space came out in 2008, right? It was originally intended as a direct sequel to System Shock. And then Glenn Schof- Schofield and, and co. played a little known game called uh, Resident Evil 4 and uh, and uh, changed the whole thing. What do you guys think about that? I think they made the right call. Yeah. Um, System Shock 2 is probably one of my favorite games ever. Uh, I, I've replayed it many times. Uh, I've done the horribly buggy uh, multiplayer mod a few times with friends and I remember when this was almost a rumor at EA, uh, at, at the time, I knew a couple people that that, that worked at EA. They, they actually worked on The Godfather and Godfather 2, which I think was the same studio that uh, did Dead Space. They did not work on it, but I recall sort of everyone's excitement about it. Everyone was, was really looking forward to a System Shock uh, game. And then when I got renamed or re-envisioned uh, as... Uh, Dead Space. Um, I was a little disappointed, but I'm still pretty happy with the game. I think they made the right call, mostly because Bioshock came out a year before 
Um, so like that, or that happened and that's, you know, not system shock, but, but it's pretty close. Right. Well, we got system shock three. You know, it, this game has elements so. of it. It's like still there. It has the audio logs. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's, it's definitely the DNA. No, the is DNA still, is there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just missing the ghosts. Mm. Yeah. I am kind of, I prefer third person action games to first person shooters. Uh, don't know if that's a hot take, but I, I just like immersive Sims. Come on, man. What are you really? Yeah. Sony has infected your brain. You guys. So do I. Yeah. I I like, uh, look, (laughs) resident evil village is like one of my favorite resident evil games. And when I heard that it was going to be third person, I was like, yes, finally. So much. Thank you. It's going to be even better. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll I see if that's true, but yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, we'll saying. see. If, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why, but I just think um, gunplay feels more visceral in third person. Um, hmm. Like, uh, I think first person feels better so, for like faster, like Doom Eternal style games, but for like games where you're trying to feel vulnerable and like you're kind of firing this unwieldy gun, I think mm-hmm. third person works better for that. Yeah. So I think it, I think it was the right call. I think it works better for horror for me too because I can see the character's vulnerability. If I'm playing in first person, there's just their arms. I don't know. It just doesn't. But then it's just you are the character. There's no. Yeah, it doesn't. Like, I I don't feel afraid for myself because there's no there's no doom impending Do you feel for me. Afraid for the the ragdoll avatar. I feel more, much more afraid for them. Yeah, it's much more like it feels like when you're watching a movie and the characters getting chased, and you're like, "Oh my god, they're gonna be killed! Don't die!" I feel more related to that than if they were stabbing the camera. You know what I mean? I just that's just how I feel. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, what was your first experience with this game? Uh, we'll start with Orin. So I'm gonna say something that kind of might piss Kevin off specifically, but <laughs> I played Resident Evil Four back in 2005. And when that game came out, that game destroyed the composition for me. I was like, like it came out in the same window as like Half-Life 2, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, uh, Doom 3, like so many classic, Metal Gear Solid 3, so many classic games. And for me, Resident Evil 4 was so good that it made those games look like like last-gen games. So I, I was obsessed with Resident Evil 4 for pretty much all of 2005. So I was really anticipating Resident Evil 5. And then I played Resident Evil 5, and that game just wasn't what I wanted. Like, I didn't really like the co-op direction. Um, The game just uh, didn't balance the tension in the shooting as much as I was hoping for Resident Evil 4. But even more disappointingly, I didn't like how you couldn't strafe. I thought that would be something that... Like, I was okay with that for Resident Evil 4, that you could move while you were aiming, because that was just the time. But when I played Resident Evil 5, I was like, what? You can't... Like, it's like three years later, you can't move around <laughs> when you're aiming. So I was kind of disappointed by that. And I was not anticipating Dead Space at the time. Like, I was in high school, um, and I just decided to randomly try it because I saw I was getting good reviews on GameSpot and stuff. And that ended up being the Resident Evil 4 sequel that I wanted, that I did not get with Resident Evil 5. So Dead Space was probably my game of the year that year because i was just like like oh my gosh this is a better resident evil game than resident evil 5 that's how i felt i don't know how kevin feels but 
that's my first experience with the game is it being the resident evil 4 sequel in high school that i didn't get from resident evil 5 i could see that it's much more of a horror game in mm-hmm. in lieu of re4 because re5 really isn't a horror game it had just elements right yeah, yeah that's how i felt yeah i get that for sure um, all right kevin um i remember this will probably be both of our first experience because it was the same time um i remember aaron i had my xbox in my room and aaron came in and was like kevin we download this demo and i was like okay so he downloaded the demo and it was it's the part where you go into the engine room in the game and you have to it's a big fight and you have to fight like the pregnant enemies and some of the other just kind of you know, regular necromorph enemies. And I remember it was like, <clears throat> I was like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> like immediately I was like, wow, this is, what is this? I, I never heard of this. And the thing about this time is I was really bad or just didn't, wasn't clued into gaming news. So I didn't really know what was coming out or I wasn't paying it quite. I did have some Game Informers read them sometimes. And I wasn't quite locked in. Whereas Aaron was always really, he always had Game Informer like way back in the 90s, like always was game, you know, the gaming news, so he was much You couldn't more. leave Funko Land without a Game without a game Informer yeah. subscription. They would literally Aaron, execute Aaron, we were the same. That. I was all about uh, the Game Informer, too. Yeah. I, I even, like, closely followed all the editors, like Andrew Rayner and stuff like that, so. Yeah, I think he still does reviews now. Yeah. Even still, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remember, it, I was immediately, like, loved the game. I remember when you die, it was so, like, violent, and they have, like, these full scripted moments for his death, and I was really like, well, this is awesome. So I just remember I was very much liking it from right off the bat from that demo. We, I think we bought it within, like, a week of that, playing that demo, hmm. if I recall correctly. It's funny because I recall you telling me to download the demo. <laughs> Maybe that was what it was. I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> like, my recollection was... Aaron, check this out. It's like uh, Resident Evil 5, but in space or, mm. or something like that. And I do remember going to your house and playing in your room and we were both instantly sold. But uh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> Mike, what was your first experience with this game? Uh, so I think mine was a little bit different than everyone else's. I was in the uh, the throes of my uh, PC gamer snobbery uh, during this time. So... I actually, it's funny, I still have the save files from 2008. Uh, so I, did I. I have, been, I have been backing up my documents uh, religiously, uh, you know, since I was a kid. So it was funny, I could actually load those saves up. I remember being a little frustrated. Uh, the, the game really felt like a, a terrible console port. I was expecting, and, and again, I was playing with a mouse and keyboard. Yeah. And whenever you're playing with a mouse and keyboard on a game that has, you know, some type of delayed input, where it feels like your mouse is moving through molasses, uh, it's a huge, huge turnoff. Uh, and so I was, I was frustrated. I wanted something that played like Quake Two. You know, like I wanted to be really fast. I actually didn't even finish the game. Wow. I think I got up to like to like chapter ten, uh, and I can describe why i probably quit but playing it now i had a much better time i played it on my tv with my laptop and a controller and i think that's actually the superior way to play this game absolutely yeah yeah that's that's it was a pretty that was like the darkest era of pc ports from the xbox where like everything had that input delay and it just made you feel Mm -hmm. like you wanted to chop your right hand off and Game for Windows Live, all that. Game crap. for Windows Live. Right. It had the 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 horrible uh, 
like if you went to 60 frames per second it, it just the lights started doing this like epilepsy inducing seizure uh, blinking stuff like mm-hmm. there was a lot of problems with those ports it's, it's specifically that port and i think there still are problems with that port unfortunately um so as kevin was saying our my first experience was playing the demo with kevin but like I, when i finally bought the game this was the first game i played on the first hd tv i ever owned so it was kind of my first modern video game experience on a big high-res tv um which was which at the time felt like you know like Oh, awe-inspiring and playing this, you know, this crazy atmospheric, beautiful game on this, you know, this gigantic 32-inch TV. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, it was pretty pretty good for the time. Maybe it was a 40-inch TV. I don't know. It was not that big. But um, it, it was great. It was a really, like, special experience. And I was on a brief hiatus from my PC gaming snobbery, which, which was just about, that hiatus was just about to end. I was just about to completely, like, curse Xbox. I got the Red Ring of Death. I hated Xbox Live, but but I, I hadn't quite got to that point yet, so I really I enjoyed it for everything that it was worth. Yeah, on that note, this was a game that for me that uh, I played. This this game and Mass Effect were the two games that I played on Xbox first and beat them, and then I bought them on PC and played them there. That was kind of like, there's like the two transitional games. And Dead Space was the first game that I ever remember playing through on PC from beginning to end with a controller. Like that was, I had a uh, Logitech I can't remember what it was called. Twenty dollars. I got it from Best Buy, and it worked great for the game. I was really happy with like, oh, I can play this with a controller. This is awesome. And I remember I like went to Nvidia Control Panel and like enabled anisotropic filtering, and you know, I was like, oh, I'm a PC gamer now. I got all these fancy blah blah blah. It was pretty exciting. It was pretty cool. <laughs> so, the the game came out. It it was it was a cult classic at the time, and it got decent reviews, but not like exceptional reviews. And I don't I think the sales were actually pretty poor relative to what EA was hoping for. So it wasn't like a huge hit, but like it's it's name in the sort of consciousness of gaming has grown to be considered I think one of the best games of all time. It even says that on the Wikipedia page, uh, which I was like, oh, w- Wikipedia even believes this, so it must be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's let's talk about the gameplay. Like I said, this game initially wanted to be System Shock 3. So it it very much borrows from that setting. But it takes a much more linear approach in, in the sort of kind of gunplay of Resident Evil 4 and also Gears of War. And, and uh, what do you guys think about that? I think it works. I think it works really well because I was kind of nervous that I'm so used to like Metroidvanias now and like in our, my Resident Evil games because Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 2 Remake kind of brought that back and now Metroidvanias are popular again and dead space isn't really a metroidvania it's it's very guided but uh and i was kind of worried going into it that i wouldn't like that that it would be too linear for me but i think the game does such a good job balancing the survival horror elements and the upgrading and uh, the feeling that you're always like low on ammo with that linear fashion in a way that was very surprising to me um like there were multiple times in my because I played through it on hard there were multiple times in my playthrough where I just ran out of ammo and I would just have to swing at them you know and just hope that I survive so uh that that's my take uh I know Mike you were about to say something yeah so as I mentioned I was uh I was not really impressed with the game when it came out and I was playing with the mouse and keyboard uh, this time around, I, I, I had so much more fun, and I think 
gameplay wise, uh, having that controller and not precise uh, aiming adds to the tension. Like the enemies, I feel like move slow enough to let you be a little sloppy with mm-hmm. your controls, and I, I just, I think that's by design. Um, I think if it would have been done uh, a different way, sort of like, you know, your fast first-person shooter, uh, it would have actually taken away from the from the horror elements. Yeah, I, I agree with what, everything you guys said. I, I really like the interactability that you have with the necromorphs in terms of the dismemberment. Like, I, I, it's, I like how the game broke the stereotype of like shoot them in the body shoot them in the head like those are like shooting the head does nothing for you in this game like it makes them start swinging wildly like it's a bad thing to do so i like how they kind of went against the grain on that and that you shoot them in the legs i also like how you can like you can kill necromorph by shooting off both of their arms you don't even shoot their legs at all if you shoot if you you take off both arms they're dead um but i always go for the leg first and watch them crawl at me slowly i love i just like how um from like a horror perspective like having them crawl at you in this kind of monstrous creepy way like I think really works like visually but it also has tension because they're slowly crawling at you to make sure like you get your aim right and get them um, and I also like how the stasis module you can like if you have like a big fight you can prioritize who you want to kill first because you can slow some guys down I think they really like did a really good job of balancing all that stuff um, and I think they like really built off this in the second game even better like it became second game I think is like a really good shooter game first game I think hmm. is like has the right amount of survival or clunk um mm-hmm to make it that but i think the second game they really smoothed up all those edges but hmm. um, interesting but yeah. uh i wanted to comment briefly on oren's point of it it not being a metroidvania which it clearly is it definitely is not but i, I think that one thing that it does that, that a good metroidvania does is like establishes a sense of place really strongly by having yeah. you come at different come back to different locations from different angles and see them in sort of a different light so that like the sense of like ah you know the bridge and the uh the cargo bay and in that that opening room and the d- different areas become really familiar so that like like that sense of familiarity really gives the place like a groundedness that you don't get in a lot of linear games where you're just constantly moving forward i think it's I really a good like use too. of backtracking yeah it's also, I think, for, for if you're designing for, <clears throat> it for a horror game perspective, you come back to a place and it's changed. It's like, well, what's around the corner? You know, like, I don't know what to expect. So, like, you have, and, like, they even, like, thematically, like, the first room is where you fight the first necromorphs, and they're, like, this, like the, like, naked ones, who I think are, like, probably the, gr- the grossest ones. Um, and you fight them again when you go back there, like, in the end of the game. You know, like, you, that, that room has the same thing happen when you've started off. It's like they have the, lo- the biohazard lockdown. Wait, but they're the not naked? What do you mean naked? The, the 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 like most first necromorphs you fight are like the like naked ones they like there's there's just flesh they're just like naked guys what do the other guys have they have like armor and clothes on they're wearing tuxedos or something like, no they have like um, like I mining thought, outfits I thought only and, one of them had yeah like like a mining outfit but like a mining outfit there's like stuff. the g- guy all... yeah there's they have a bunch of different outfits the necromorphs hmm. all right. but but the, the the naked one is the one that sounds the most monstrous. They have this like really, like, ah! and and um, you fight them in that first room, and then you fight them again when you go back there. So I just liked how they like kind of like did that again when you. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. They thematically build stuff in the environments. Uh, another thing I kind of want to mention because I mentioned that thing about ammo early early on. Uh, I replayed both Half Life Two and the first Bioshock like within the past three years and in both of those games I felt like I had way too much ammo in the second half (laughs) like Bioshock I didn't even feel I didn't even feel powerless at that point I'm like I could just take everybody on easy Mm. 
And I, I love how Dead Space, it always kind of feels like you're running out of resources, like the entire time, especially if you mm-hmm. play it on hard mode. And I think that's incredibly important for a horror game to make it feel like you never have too many resources. It's true. Did I you play on hard? A lot of ammo. Mm, yeah. Like I was constantly, like, if I was picking up ammo for a weapon I, I didn't have equipped or I didn't like using, I was selling it and buying uh, plasma cutter uh, ammo. But that, that was my favorite weapon. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's scarce and it, it 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 really ratchets up the tension when you're low on ammo and they're not dropping the ammo that you're yes. currently using. It's like ah. Oh. Yeah, you get the stupid ripper blades or like the pulse rounds. Like who the fuck <laughs> wants those? Can we uh, talk about the, the plasma cutter specifically? Because I do think that that's like one of the best. It's like such a like I mean these were like iconic part of the franchise, but also I just think it's in just in horror games in general, it's such a like classic weapon. Like it's a tool, it's not a weapon, but it works so perfectly for what the game is and the, the feel of it, the sound of it, everything is just so. It just seems like it's like it fits so well. It's I really like how they implemented it in the game. I was very impressed compared to the more gun shootery everything else. I right. do like that almost all the weapons were you know, crafted to look like tools. And right. I think they're they're super well done, uh, except for the one actual rifle you have in the game, right? Like, I don't know what utility that has uh, in mining, but the plasma cutter, how you're able to rotate um, the, the, the beam, I thought was genius. Um, yeah. Especially when you're faced with enemies coming at you at different angles um and you have to you know shoot off the uh the tentacle and the limbs and, and things like that it's it's much more efficient if you rotate it uh 90 degrees every once in a while i mm-hmm. just I, I i think it's why it's my favorite weapon in the game i just i played the whole game with it yeah, yeah. Me, me too. I, I love the like i guess it's like orthogonal weapon design like all the weapons do totally different things and like it kind of harkens back to 90s games where we're like every weapon is, has a very specific function and style of uh, of use. I played through on this most recent playthrough only using the plasma cutter. I got the uh, I got the achievement for that, which I had intended to get about uh, fourteen years ago, but I never went back and did. I think I got like halfway through a hard playthrough and then got to the asteroids and was like, I'm done with this shit. But um, <laughs> like uh, the um, the plasma cutter is such a good get- gun, and you can play through the whole game with it. It does leave you a little less ammo starved, oddly, because you can just sell all the other ammo and just, just stock up big time on plasma cutter ammo. But it's it's such a satisfying gun to use. The sound design for those weapons is really good. It's almost like it's almost too much. Like on my sound system, I'm like playing this game in the middle of the night. I, I had to switch to headphones because it was like the sound of like the guns and the stomping and the grunting was so loud. I was like worried I was going to wake up the neighbors. <laughs> but... Yeah, I was I, I was asked to turn it down multiple times. Mm. <laughs> um, I also wanted to mention like on the orthogonal thing I do think the game has a not a huge bestiary but a pretty good wide amount of enemies that all have different roles and they all kind of support each other in different ways in terms of like you get a fight you have to prioritize what you want to do and like where you should shoot them like the pregnancy you don't want to shoot their stomach because they'll release the babies or those little crawly freaks who are like the most deadly enemy in the whole game <laughs> those little mm. those little whatever the they're little called little dudes that roll yeah Oh, yeah, those guys, fuckers, this, those yeah. the only guys who killed me, I think, in the whole game was those yeah. bastards. Because you'd run around a corner and they'd ambush you, and it's like, oh my god. <laughs> uh. um, 
but yeah, I really, I really think the game, um, much like RE4, I think they really did a great job with establishing the enemy types, what their powers are, how you should deal with them. Um, I, I, I was like, I remembered that about it, um, but playing it again, I had an even more appreciation for it this time. So really paying attention, and the enemies all look different. They have like the like the different they have like different silhouettes. Those those um those bastards with the three legs like the whip the whip tail. God, those guys are such shits. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like scorpion dudes. God, those guys yeah. are bastards. <laughs> they're really hard to to hit. Yeah, because their 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 body soaks up like a whole clip sometimes, and it's it, it's much more challenging to hit the tail and break that off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting talking about the enemy variety because it all complements each other. All the enemy types complement each other really well in a way that reminds me again of Resident Evil 4. Oh, yeah. And it's it's interesting because having played a lot of recent horror games, a lot of even even the best ones just have no consideration for that in a way that I think it's like, fuck, we got to go back. We got to go back to 2008 because... Like, Resident Evil 7 has no enemy variety. Resident oh. Evil Village has some, but not really a lot of enemy variety. So it's I'm surprised we developers haven't taken the care uh, in recent years to, to think about how multiple enemy types can work in a combat scenario in a horror setting. Yeah, I think it's pretty important. I also, on that note wanted to mention that this is one of the few games I've played that they've solved the problem of running by enemies. Because if you run by them, they'll just pop an event in the next room at you. Right. You can't, you can't run from them. They will continuously chase you. They, they've designed their AI and the pathing pretty pretty well and pretty smartly with the ship. It also like works for the design of the ship really well. I, they really must have thought a lot of planning and thinking on this stuff because I've tried running by them a couple different times and they just would pop right in front of me every time. Which I thought was a pretty cool thing. I, I liked that. It felt like there was no escape. You have to fight. I also love with the vents that sometimes you'll see vents and you're like, there's going to be an enemy that doesn't, that pops out and then no enemy pops out. Yeah. You're right. Like it kind of plays with your expectations. Mm-hmm. I like that the enemies don't wear out their welcome. I, I feel like in other games and uh, I haven't really played uh, a bunch of resident Evil games. So I always feel like I have no context for when you guys are talking about these. Oh, but uh, when I was playing the Sinking City, there's like four enemy types, and within the first thirty minutes, you're already bored with it. Mm. Whereas uh, Dead Space, you know, there's what maybe seven enemy varieties, something like that. Sounds right. But they just feel so diverse because some of them even have slightly different movement sets, or they'll come at you in different waves, or they'll be paired up with another one, and it never feels like. Oh, boring! You know, I'm just kind of killing the same thing over and over again. I, I really like how they're still fun to kill. Yeah, they are. I always thought uh, the necromorphs were like if I had, like of all the horror games I played, I mean, it's like if there was an enemy I did not want to face in real life, it would probably be them. They are like <laughs> they're just the grossest, most like just terrifying. I mean, they're so the thing. I, I hadn't seen the thing when I played this game initially, but playing it again, I was like, wow. I mean, this, you know those yeah. guys, the tall guys? When you shoot them, they break into parts. And they have, like, the like mm. spider one, like the one that kind of, like, rolls. They have all these different guys. That, I was like, oh, yeah, this is such an homage to the thing so much. Mm. Yeah, uh, especially with the head. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you oh, die yeah. to those guys, they'll actually jump on your head, and then, like, Isaac will be taken over by them. 
like they'll like show him like walking off all like kind of <laughs> it's pretty good if you you should just if you ever like are interested like look at all the cutscene deaths there's so many in this game they have they've, they've done so many they put a lot of time into that <clears throat> yeah that was actually something uh i wanted to specifically call out is all of the unique death animations i mean it's almost like playing uh a seer adventure game yeah mm. <laughs> uh, right it's they're, like they're, they're all comical but mm-hmm. it's it's a horror setting so uh i i would just i would laugh hysterically every time i died uh there's a super cut of them on youtube mm. my favorite one is the one where you get killed by the twitchers who are actually one of my, one of my favorite enemies in the game though the twitchers are the guys on the uh, military ship like the soldier necromorphs who like right. move super fast and they're all like Ugh. when they after he kills you um after like cuts isaac up they like his zooms on his face <laughs> this kind of somewhat comedic way <laughs> it's like a little bit creepy a little bit funny at the same time they must have like i wonder if they had to storyboard these these sequences out i i think they probably did like there's probably mm-hmm. a lot of work put in these oh so yeah that, no I, I mean every one of them is a mini cutscene, you know yeah so yeah like there was an incredible amount of care put into this game. I think that one thing that really struck me replaying it was how well paced it was for a linear game. Yeah. Like it really manages to walk the line between tension and quiet moments and, and sort of loud moments and, and never feel jarring or like out of place. Like it just, it just keeps pushing you forward and keeps you immersed in that environment. Can totally. we talk about how creepy the bathrooms are in this game? Mm. Like, Definitely. every time I go into a bathroom in this game, like, I feel like nothing ever happens in the bathrooms. Maybe, like, one time. But you'll just mm-hmm. hear, like, Nicole's ASMR just going, like, and, yeah. and you're just like, is there something in here? But there's, like, usually nothing. It's just very atmospheric and creepy. Did you notice that there's writing in the bathrooms? Um, yeah, it's writing, writing all over the game, and I'm not sure yeah. if this is the first thing that did that because I remember Left 4 Dead was like known for that. I think it's just a trope of zombie movies. Yeah, Isn't like that they, people like shock like one and I don't, two. It might be. I don't. I don't remember writing on the walls. There's definitely shock. some writing in the original System Shock. I believe. Be pretty. Be pretty low poly in the first game. It, <laughs> it was. It was definitely present in two. Yeah. Yeah, that might yeah. be the case. But Didn't I like somebody like decode it? Didn't someone decode the alien writing? And, and maybe this is a different game, but I thought I read somewhere that De- Dead Space's alien writing was actually decoded, and you can read hmm. it. Let me uh, look that up really quickly. I, I, I also wanted to mention that. on the topic of gameplay, um, the puzzles are really fun. I liked all the puzzles. The only one I really don't like is obviously the the classic asteroids shooting sucks, um, dude. I was dreading oh it god. the whole playthrough. I was like, <laughs> I was just like thinking about it, like, oh my god, it's coming up to shoot the asteroids. So it was. I got my first try. It wasn't as bad yeah, as it was yeah. initially. I, I do. I'll be honest with you. I do think playing the game at a high frame rate on my bigger TV than playing it at 30 FPS on my old Xbox, like, I think that makes a difference. To be honest, for aiming in that part. You know what I think makes the difference is that because uh, I played it on Xbox at 30 frames per second, like. It's a preserved presentation from the 360 version. Right. I think the difference is latency. I think when I played it on my first TV, I probably had like 100, mm. 150 second millise- uh, millisecond latency that was just fucking me up because I died like a hundred times there. I swear to God, I was yeah. stuck there for hours, and I did it my first try this time. So I don't know. Yeah, I I really despised that part, especially in, back in two thousand and eight. 
that that almost made me quit the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I made it though. I I also think the in the in the end of the game, there's a little bit too much marker pulling. Like it goes on for a little too long. Like I yes I think yes it does. Once you get to the planet, you have to like open the doors and close the doors. Like if they done that segment like one time, okay, but you have to do it like three times. You got to move like the marker around for like twenty five minutes. There's yeah. a lot of marker moving. I think uh, that went for too long, in my opinion. Um, I think they were really trying to like build up to that moment, but I did I didn't love it. But I do think the other puzzles are pretty fun. Nothing is too too intense. It's usually like stasis this or like drag this over with the telekinesis. Like it's just something pretty straightforward. But it was a good puzzles. I, yeah, in terms of. The, I think what you were saying on the pacing, I think that was like a really good balance of like quieter moments where you're just doing something that's kind of mundane. But you can pick up quickly. You don't have to like spend a long time thinking about it, which I, I liked. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to share really quickly in the uh, Jump Crouch chat um, a little transcript that you can use oh, wow. to uh, decode the uh, marker language. And so you can actually look at the walls and decode it. Isn't That's that crazy? Awesome. I didn't know that they actually built a whole language. Dude, I wow. want to make Jump Crouch t-shirts with this. <laughs> that would be yeah, awesome. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah, so, some that of the stuff awesome. that it says are like, uh, let us be one, Altman be praised, live for the church, die for the church. Uh, hmm. Yeah, Altman, our martyr, our pioneer, stuff like that. So you, you can actually translate. <laughs> so... That's really cool. Um, I have a question for you guys. What other than the plasma cutter did you use any weapons this playthrough? Because the way that I played the game was I used the plasma cutter and I basically kind of min maxed it. I sold everything and just continuously bought power nodes. And by the yeah. time that I hit the um, USM Valor, I had fully upgraded every piece in the whole game. So then Same. I just had to buy another gun to get more upgrades. So I bought the assault mm. rifle because I remember the assault rifle was horrible when mm. I used it initially. And it's not actually that it's horrible, it's that it takes a very long, a lot of ammo to kill something. But once mm-hmm. you upgrade it, it actually is okay. It's pretty fun to use. It works really well against the slashers, it does not work well. Sla- slashers are like the regular like clawing enemies. It doesn't work as well against the like baby enemies mm-hmm. or the 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 leapers or the, the three-legged guys with the tail. It works well with the, the, the little bugs that crawl on the ground. Oh, that's true. Oh yeah, the Ripper is mm. really good for the bugs. Like, like I did. Um, I actually had a few weapons. I plasma cutter was my go-to, but I also used the. I think it's like the line cutter. It's like the shotgun one that shoots yeah. like a giant horizontal line, and that one you can destroy enemies in one hit with that thing. So, I, I used that for like bigger encounters, and then the Ripper I would use for like those irritating like leech enemies that would kind of go around the ground because i didn't want to waste all this ammo trying to kill them so i would just do one ripper blade and just kill them all like that mm. hmm. yeah uh, that's why i only used the plasma cutter for this playthrough so that was pretty there, when when you had to fight the little rolling leech things that was the one time where it was like oh this is not the right weapon for these guys mm-hmm. Because there's like yeah. 50 of them on the floor and they're just slowly rolling at you, and I keep like slowing them down and then having to shoot them one by one. <laughs> yeah, it worked, but <laughs> yeah, so I mostly use the plasma cutter, but I would flip over to and I completely forget the name of it, but it's basically like a big explosion. Uh, mm, I would force flip gun. over to that. Yeah, the force gun. I love the uh, force gun for those little rolling leeches, and if I was getting overwhelmed, but. Uh, pulse rifle occasionally, um, but again, 
it, it seems like it eats up so much ammo versus the mm. actual damage output. Uh, I didn't use it that much. Yeah. Pulse rifle was definitely uh, my favorite. Um, the uh, quick note: the force gun in Dead Space Two is like insanely fun. It's like such a cool weapon. Like I, I when I was using it, I was like, "Wow, I, this is such an awesome weapon." No one's ripped this off in either game. This is such a cool. <laughs> it's fun. It's really good. Is that the one that shoots the bolts? It shoots um just like a force explosion, just like whoosh, mm. like a big shock wave. Okay. And um, in if it's upgraded in two, it just like rips them apart. Like they just shred. Okay. They just jib in front mm. of you, basically. I need to get that. Uh, let's talk about the setting of the USG Ishimura. What do you guys think? Uh, among the pantheon of great ghost ships, uh, where does it land for you? Uh, it's right up there with the Nostromo. I actually like it a lot. Um, I love that it's this cool amalgamation of like Event Horizon, Alien. Um, it has... It has just this great, uh, stark, um, utilitarian kind of look and feel to it. Uh, I completely agree. I think it's like one of the best settings for any games I've played. It's kind of like the... I, I, I really liked... Um, I cannot remember the ship in System Shock 2. I really liked it in that game, but I think it's be- this is actually the better the better uh, infected ship of the two. Uh, the, the ship felt very believable like it felt like a place that people could actually like live on the way that they built it up and you kind of explore the different decks and, and parts of it and see like they have like an engineering deck they have a main captain deck they have the, the, the sleeping deck they have all these different spots and everywhere has like a bathroom like in places that seem to make sense like they seem that like they really must have spent time planning this thing because it, it 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 made sense to me it was seem it seemed believable um the art director of dead space named ian milham described the ishimura as a mashup of gothic cathedrals and an offshore oil rig, both huge in scale huh. and deconstruction with guts clearly visible, which sounds right. And he also said that the lights in the game are based off dentist lights, which bring uncomfortable or scary vibes, <laughs> which oh, makes sense, so actually. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Because it that's does, weird. the lights do have this kind of oppressive feel to them. They're kind of like, oh. So I, I think it feels like at every turn they try to make the Ishimura feel like a place that's not welcoming to you. I like the idea because, uh, uh, Mike, you brought up utilitarian. I think that's actually my favorite part of the setting is that, oh, this these are the barracks. This is the uh, this is like, you know, where the oxygen's produced. And I don't know why, but like I thought that really struck me because I feel like I've played a lot of horror settings where the settings don't really make sense. And you're just kind of like, oh, it's just kind of alien corridors or whatever. So the fact that every area has a function, mm-hmm. I think, is what made it memorable. Mm-hmm. I think um, the world from the ship to your suit to your inventory display, I think all of it kind of follows, to me at least, that same uh, utilitarian philosophy. Like It's very minimal. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like it was all designed purely for uh, function. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's such a a, a lack of uh, aesthetic consideration that it's it's almost like this is a ship designed for slaves. But um, <laughs> like it, it's it 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 holds up so well. Like the one thing is like I was saying, I played it on Series X, which is basically just the the 360 version, 720p, 30 frames per second. Um, it does get 
16x AF, which which really helps. But the game still looked incredible, even with its chunky pixels and its low frame rate. Like the art yeah. held up so well, mm-hmm. uh, and and like they were clearly designing so well for the hardware they were working with that it just like it it didn't feel aged or it didn't feel like a lot of 360 games. It didn't look dated to me. Like it definitely looked older. It didn't look like a modern game, but it just it just every piece of it just really held up really really well. So I bought it on Steam, and I was shocked how well it looks mm. uh, on my PC. And it, it, it actually supports ultra wide, which mm-hmm. I was I was so stoked about that. Um, but I would I would uh, switch between my, my desktop with an ultra wide, and then downstairs to my big screen TV with my laptop. Um, and I thought they both looked great. I think the lighting definitely hides a lot of the lower quality art assets. There's mm. one level in particular where uh, it's towards the end. You're, you know, quickly running out of oxygen. You have to find these key cards, um, and it's brightly lit. Like every corner is lit, and it it doesn't look so good. Mm. But when I first started playing it, I thought I don't even know why they're remastering this game. It looks fantastic. Yeah, that's how I was thinking too. I was like, wow, this game really looks great. I also wanted to mention on the topic of the Ishimura, the uh, the Ishimura door opening sound to me is like as memorable as the Doom door opening sound. Like it's so distinct. Like I can imagine it right now in my head. And right when I went to go do it, I just want to also mention the sound design of this game all around is just top level. Like it's as good as everything else about it. Um, in terms of the monsters, like the sounds of the weapons, the sounds of like the doors open, the creaking, the, the creaking, creaking, the set like the ambient sounds, the sound when you, I've never, I remember when I first I went into space, and then like that that the music and like the kind of like, you know, entering zero gravity and like you you kind of like everything has this kind of, I was so impressed by that I I, I don't remember playing a game that I had that experience before of like going into like a vacuum that really felt so immersive and like the way that the decomp like his tiz suit like uh, depressurizes when you go in and out mm-hmm. everything about those sounds are just so well done I, I was like still very very impressed by all of those aspects of this game i wanted to loop back to what aaron was saying about the frame rate because I, I actually also played it at hd 30 fps and i don't know what you think aaron but one thing that I liked about the 30 FPS is that it made the necromorphs look like they were like skipping frames in a mm. way that was really terrifying. Like their tentacles would just sometimes just like be like, oh, "Fuck, I, I can't even see like where where it's going," <laughs> or like when it's rushing at you. And uh, so it, it almost does seem like they designed the necromorphs to look more jittery and just more like unpredictable with the frame rate. I can see that definitely. Yeah. Uh, it- I was surprised at how how much the frame rate didn't bother me. Like I, I was just like, hey, this is fine, and I didn't really think about it at all, which is not usually the case when I'm playing 30 frames per second games. I don't know what is different there. Maybe the way they employed motion blur or something. I, I don't really know, but it, 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 I think it held up really well in that that old presentation, and it was kind of a nice like uh, throwback to you know a time capsule. Um, but. But yeah, the setting is is so good. The art is incredible. But the HUD, why don't more games use a HUD like Dead Space? Why do so many games have this like barf all over your screen? 
Yeah, I I remember <laughs> thinking like this was the future of, yeah. of gaming. Like in in 2008 when I when I saw this, uh, I was so impressed. Like every bit about the the, the world, your HUD, uh, your suit, the weapons. Like there's no useless uh, space on on your screen right like i don't need three little hearts off to the side i can look on the back of my suit and i see how much health i have uh i don't need to see an ammo counter i know how much is in the gun right now because it it shows me but i like how you don't know your total ammo because Mm -hmm. you can quickly get in that situation where you blow through it all and you're and you're you know firing an empty clip and it's it 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 adds to the horror but yeah i i have no idea I, I was feel the same way. Yeah, I was. Yeah, go ahead, Kevin. Um, I defer to you. Okay. Um, I I I I completely agree with you. I think honestly, it's the best HUD in video games that I've ever seen. Um, the fact that it's all done like you can just look at the screen and know exactly what's going on without any UI elements. And then also the way when you open up the menu, it's like a 3D AR thing. And like when he when you like look and when you like move to the left and right of the different objects, like his head actually looks at it. Like yeah. there's just so much detail and thought and planning and implementation of the HUD is just like I, I've never seen a HUD like this. And, and with, I had the same thought that Mike had. I'm like, oh, this is going to be what games are going to be doing in the future. This is just going to be how they handle it. And they have it. <laughs> I ever having this thought about like games, like a lot of like, oh, this is going to be how games are. And it, and it doesn't seem that it ever seems to doesn't. Sometimes it does, I guess. But I, I'm surprised that more people haven't ripped this off. I think when you're in a science fiction setting, especially right like yeah. science fiction settings allow you to go crazy with the hud in a way yeah. and get really creative with it in the way dead space did mm-hmm. um i do want to second what mike said i didn't even notice that thing about not knowing your total ammo but i subconsciously knew it because sometimes i would like reload my gum gun, gun and i would see only like seven bullets in it to figure out if i have enough for a full mag it's like ah shit i only have seven shots but um <laughs> but yeah like f- fucking uh horizon zero dawn can get so creative with the HUD, but instead it's just barf all over the screen. And I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> why does it have to look like this? Mm. Yeah, it's such a it's such a clean, immersive like way to just like keep you in the action. Uh, some games have incorporated different elements of this. It's, it's interesting because this was 2008 and uh, Far Cry 2 was also 2008, which did very different things, but also incorporated some really good diegetic uh, user inter- interface aspects and neither of those have really been picked up on until much more recently so strange like the, the other thing that I think is is really notable about this game and I can only think of one or two other games that have done this is the pinging system instead of having a floating arrow above your head just pointing where to go if you get lost you can ping and look where to go and it makes sense and it totally it's makes so sense creative. The, the narrative mm-hmm. of the story but it never feels handholdy. it's just like it's there if you need it and not if you don't the 3D map is also really cool. Mm-hmm. 3D map is really cool. I I really like the. I think they call it breadcrumbs. Is a system for when you like when you like look at the ground and like have the arrow tells you where to go. Mm-hmm. Very awesome system. I I really like it. It, it seems like um there, I never got stuck in this game. I never had a point where I was like, where do I go? What do I? Because because of that was there. There was never confusion. I think that system could actually work in a Metroidvania really well if they had mm-hmm. that like a game where you might get lost. Um. Yeah. I also felt, uh, even though it told you where you needed to go, there was still some exploration left up to you. Like that's yeah. where you would find, 
you know, uh, schematics. Uh, mm. so, so you could get new armor or weapons, things like that. Uh, I think it still rewarded you plenty for not just going straight by. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that it did so well in maintaining, like, keeping some of the features of a Metroidvania without actually being a Metroidvania, like the sort of, like, going back to the same places and, and leaving little little areas to explore and little secrets to find and make it feel like you are the one who's controlling the pace when really you're, you're following a real tight, you know, forward path. I, I like on that note and on the Ishimura note how the, the lockers, you can tell by looking at them whether they're open or not. And um, there's times when you open the node rooms and just have the lockers in general. When you come back to an area, lockers that were previously locked are now open. So you can see the lockers that you've opened are still open. And then you can open mm-hmm. new ones. Like I, those mm-hmm. little just There's so much attention to detail in this game that I really appreciate it. I also really liked how when you go on the USM Valor... Uh, the USM Valor's emblem is all over all the stuff. Like when you go to the shop, like it's like the USM Valor shop. It doesn't say Ishimura. Like they, they just like really thought about all these like little details so well. I, I just really appreciate that stuff. And I, I like how they show you instead of tell you. Um, for the most part, with, with the exception of being told to cut off their limbs, like I don't know, ten times in the first <laughs> maybe <hour>. twenty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everything else about that game is just showing you. You know, uh, with the heads-up display uh, with the stores. Uh, I think one of my favorite parts is when you upgrade your suit and it has just that beautiful transition. Mm-hmm. Like you, you see yourself upgraded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think even when you upgrade the weapons, uh, their damage specifically, they sound different mm-hmm. after hmm. after the upgrade. Like they sound a little bit, a little bit more weightier. Hmm. Mm, that's cool. I, I remember playing through it, the, the being so excited to see like what the next upgrade would look like for the suit the first time through. Mm-hmm. Like like mm-hmm. oh what's gonna happen? Like what's the next helmet gonna look like? Yeah, I love the transitions. The visual like like the suit just keeps getting bigger and more badass looking. Um, it's yeah. So you could stomp more. Yeah, the stomping is the, the stomping is pre- is pretty great. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a stomp button. It's amazing. Yeah. It is the I, angriest stomp. I have ever heard and <laughs> it, it it never got old I can remember that sound you know from what 12 14 years ago whatever uh, absolutely fantastic I I I would shoot um, the enemy types and then stomp them after every single kill just just because Same. It, it, it felt mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. yeah I would too and you want to make sure they're dead right you want you, you want to you absolutely wanna absolutely be sure <laughs> Uh, something that, that that I, I love about this game is is I, I I really I enjoy that Isaac is a silent protagonist. He's not in the sequels, which which is a different conversation. But he's not quiet. Isaac is grunting. He's breathing. You can hear his heart beating. Mm-hmm. Like the sounds of his body and his struggle are are an intimate sort of feedback mechanism to let you know like dangers to the player. Are you know are, are you have you taken too much damage? Are you about to run out of oxygen? Um, it's it's done exceptionally well, and I didn't even actually think about it consciously until I saw someone point it out in talking about the Dead Space remake, and I'm like, oh my god, of course, that was like so, it was just so obvious the whole time that I didn't even think about it, but what do you guys, do you have thoughts? No thoughts? Okay. Uh, I, love I, the, I love the grunting. I love the <laughs> grunting. Uh, I, I love it, and I love that he doesn't talk the whole time, because I feel like... Mm-hmm so many 
protagonists. I'm going to call mm. out Horizon Zero Dawn again. But like Horizon Zero Dawn is the kind of game where it's like you see a resource like six feet in front of you. I should and probably she's... grab that. <laughs> exactly. I absolutely hated that. It's the oh worst. my gosh. It's so I should heal now. So huh, I should really I should really slot her down. Yeah, it's just so it's I so, need to so craft great. More ammo. <sighs> um, yeah. So there really I'm... needed to be an option to make Aloy silent. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like uh, it's like being able to turn off uh tooltips or whatever, you know? Dude, it's like the easy mode conversation that everybody talks about. That needs to be the new the new the new meta conversation. Games need to have the ability to shut up the the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I completely agree with what you're saying on on this. I, I, it's kind of what I was saying earlier. It's like if like I can see the character, I can feel, I can relate to their suffering. Like like mm-hmm. Isaac like gets out of breath. He gets kind of like worn out when he's low on health. He kind of like stumbles more and like walks differently. Um, yeah. You can see like his rig is like low. He also like when you start getting low on oxygen, he starts kind of like <coughs> like gasping for breath. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. They really they really built that in um, really well, which I I really liked. I wanted to mention too that. So um, Isaac has a voice in two and three. Um, he's mm-hmm. voiced by Gunnar Wright. Gunnar Wright also voiced him for Des Des One, even the original. So like it's oh. the same guy because I remember when same I played Roger. it. When I played Dead Space Two, I was like, man, they, they got a voice actor who sounds like exactly like him. Like these grunts are like the same. They're not the same. They're different mm-hmm. clips. They recorded new lines. But like, God, God his voice sounds so similar. Um, mm. But I, I've always remembered that sound. That like I, like so mm-hmm. so distinctly. You're you're so mm-hmm. right, Mike. It's it's so recognizable um you really feel for isaac like like in the end of the game when he takes his helmet off it's like whoo man like that was some shit you went through <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's <laughs> oh, so good that that they ended that so perfectly yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's great with the jump scares perfect perfect horror movie vibe so every time uh isaac was running out of oxygen i thought i was gonna die yeah that's, yeah that's how close you feel to mm-hmm. to it yeah, that's submersion. Uh, let's talk about the story, guys. What what do we think of the story? In my opinion, it's it's maybe one of the weakest parts. If not, it's not terrible, but it's I I don't I don't buy it as much as I buy every other aspect of this game. But, but what do you guys think? Uh, the, I, I'll, I'll go first. You know, I'm gonna be the contrarian here. I actually please. think it's a it's a good story, and okay. uh, I think the reason why I think it's a good story is that um you have the silent protagonist as isaac Mm -hmm. so you kind of can project yourself into the situation and it feels like you're it kind of reminds me of bloodborne i feel like i'm fighting a lovecraftian like concept like this this uh marker that can get inside of your head and i just I, i just like that lovecraftian idea that the the uh the uh eldritch horror gets inside of your head first and then you start to transform when you get access to like the actual you know substance that actually transforms you and i just think that's such a cool concept um let me me clarify i love the lore of the game the the unitology that stuff works for me a thousand percent i guess what i'm saying like the story like isaac and nicole uh kendra and hammond I, I'm I'm a little oh, like that's sure. it's good. That stuff's a little weaker. I think that the lore is ten the out of plot, ten. The plot, you mean? Yeah, yeah. The plot is is the problem that I'm I, I'm I have a little some issues with. Well, I thought the uh, what what's on not Hammond the other character Kendra Kendra Kendra. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about mm-hmm. the exposition dump at the way end of the game when she betrays you. 
That part mm-hmm. was like the moment where I was like, uh, I don't know how I feel about this. Right. She just right. explains her motivations for like four minutes. It's um, a very classic villain thing to do in movies. Through a, through a glass window, classic shock problem. Like you're, you're speaking to somebody on the other side of a window. Can't do anything. Yeah, yeah I, that part was a little weird. I also wish the game didn't... T- I wish she didn't tell you that Nicole is dead. I wish the, mm. the, I wish, uh, the uh, chapter... Like the first letter of each chapter told you that instead, and the game never actually answers that. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, you know what? Like differentiating between the lore and the story, I think the lore is ten out of ten. But yeah, you're you're right. I think the story is pretty mechanical and uh, tropey. But yeah, I guess my biggest problem is I, I imagine myself, and I haven't seen my you know the love of my life. And I get to this ship, and it's fucking chaos, right? And everybody's dead, and there's monsters everywhere. Isaac spends eight hours repairing the ship before trying to find his partner. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that just yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, I, I see him being, like, <laughs> single-mindedly like, no, I'm not going to fix the tram system. I'm going to go find my fucking wife or whatever. Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. I also thought, like... After like like it's not till like chapter seven or six where Hammond's like, all right, we should abandon the mission. It's like guys, like we have seen like unspeakable <laughs> horrors through this already. Like you're like, oh, now we're gonna abandon the mission. Like I don't understand how Hammond and Kendra can survive either. Like Isaac mm. is constantly being ambushed by extremely deadly nightmare creatures, and like how and they're just kind of like they seem so like oh well, you know, yeah. And presumably sucks. Kendra would have pushed uh, you know Hammond under the bus any chance she had. She Which does. She eventually she's, does. So she, she constantly. I mean, it's heavily implied that she's the one who's jamming his signal when you're playing mm. the game. Like he's constantly. I forgot how he died. I remember that he did die. I forgot how it, how it happened. Um, I think they're fine. They they both feel slightly tropey, and Kendra in particular does. Um, I liked the evil doctor, even though he also was kind of tropey. The like, mm-hmm. I thought I think he worked. Like he had the right amount of cheese to him. He's always like prescribing your doom, and then he unleashes the creature on you, Doctor Chalice Mercer. I had a memory that you, after he gets, they show the cutscene of him getting hit by the possessor thing, and then you see him and you and you kill the enhanced slasher. He becomes that didn't happen for me. I don't know like if I missed the room, but like I never found him. Did you guys like fight him when he becomes killed by the thing? No, uh, yeah, I thought that was weird too. I thought like he was preparing a boss fight. Mm-hmm. And then no, like nothing happened. I was very confused by that, but I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a misbeat. Yeah, like it it had all this build up towards you know him being something significant that you would you would fight, and I I never encountered anything. So I, I remember fighting him. He becomes hmm. a regular blue slasher, like an enhanced version of one. And you, but I don't. Maybe I missed it. Like I, maybe he's off the beaten path because I I remember doing it. I remember doing it a couple times and like trying to run to kill the thing first. And you, if you're like fast enough, you can like kill it before it gets him, and he just turns like into a rag doll. <laughs> so it's kind of but like an Easter egg or something. Like you can. Just yeah, kind of I don't go know if I to, what happened yeah. with with that. Um, but I, I do think I think the story is like this. The plot is good enough. It's not like amazing. I like the way that the the environmental storytelling is really good. Like they mm-hmm. they keep building you into all these weird moments of like encountering weird survivors and like. The, the way that they um, the markers kind of like fucking with you the whole time you don't really know if like what you're seeing is actually true that was like a good I think in terms of like a writing perspective a clever thing to do because they can use all of these different things that doesn't have to be stuck purely to reality within the game world so I thought that was like a clever idea like you're always hearing like weird whispers 
I was remember mm-hmm. hearing search and rescue. Like I remember hearing that like it's initially. It's Nicole, right? Nicole's the one whispering to you the whole time. Probably. Yeah. yeah it does so. seem to be a female voice. Um, I, I, the, they, they build up Nicole as this character you're supposed to care about, but never develop her into anything that you do. So I never felt like much connection with her, other than that, like Isaac is supposed to care. So I, I agree with you on that. Kind of like I. Yeah. Also, and Isaac shows up silent. and starts telling you to move shit around. Yeah, she does. Yeah, so that's like, uh, can you do some work for me? Yeah, that's like the marker telling you, obviously, right? Like, it's like no, I, I know it's not her. She's dead, but like, I I just like that whole thing was just felt goofy. It felt goofy to me in two thousand eight. Felt goofy to me now. Like, I think the the background story is just incredible. Everything else, but like the Nicole stuff and some of the Kendra Hammond stuff is just like. But I feel like the fact that it didn't bother me goes to show how good the lore and the pacing is and how those two aspects made it up for me. Oh, like yeah. it, at least the story and its tropes didn't get in the way of the game. It maybe got in the way a little bit towards the end with uh, Kendra and her, and her, you know, mustache twirling bullshit. But like I've played so <laughs> many other games where the story is actually a distraction because it's yeah. so poorly paced and it's so stupid. Like I'm thinking mm-hmm. the first game that I think of actually is like last year with Outriders. Like that was a game where like there were so many cutscenes where I was like, I don't give a fuck. Why is this <laughs> even in the game? You know? Yeah. At least Dead Space it doesn't get in the way. It's functional enough. Uh I remember kind of feeling it was it was wearing thin on me to be honest. Like, so I love Lovecraftian, uh, outer gods, all that kind of stuff. Like that's, that's my jam. I love, I love cults, you know? Um, but the tropiness actually really started to bother me because it just became so predictable. Like I, I didn't really remember much of, you know, the 10 chapters I played back in 2008. So this was almost like a fresh experience for me. And I remember just thinking, I don't want to hear them talk to me after I get off the train anymore. Like, I don't, I don't, like, it, it was so tropey that I knew when there was going to be a jump scare. I knew that she was going to betray me. Uh, you know, as soon as I saw the doctor standing outside, you know, ready to board the uh, ship and he gets shot, like, it was just, it, it was all a little too predictable. And mm-hmm. yeah. I felt, yeah, like, could have been better. I think it's good enough. I mean, I obviously enjoyed the game and I played the, the whole thing, but I think you all just said it so well, and especially Kevin's point about the environmental storytelling was superior. Uh, the yeah. plot was not. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. Hmm. Uh, I also, the, quickly, last thing I want to mention, I feel like the premise is so Resident Evil 1. It's like you get a team of experts mm. going to like check out something that like happened and they get like stuck there i'm like oh that's resident evil one like to a t <laughs> like completely <laughs> yeah it's got to be intentional <clears throat> it also yeah. kind of reminds me a little bit of aspects of bloodborne believe it or not like you know like the um i can't mike maybe you can help me because i can't remember but there were there was like a faction like uh in bloodborne that really wanted to get closer to the gods and they would have multiple eyes on them because yeah. they're getting closer to the gods like to me it's like the same thing like this church wants to get closer to this eldritch artifact artifact and um and yeah bad shit happens Mm. i didn't actually consider that element but you're right i never even thought of like lovecraft but totally yeah i can see that 
Yeah. I do love the moment where the, uh, I think it's the, the doctor dude, like takes like a railroad spike and just slams it through the head of that guy who's like screaming. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, whoa, what have I walked into here? Yeah. Uh, like to Oren's point that the story never gets in the way. Like I totally agree with that. Even though I found it, uh, I, I really didn't. I think it's the weakest part of the game. The, the plot is anyway. Um, it, it Unlike like a game like for me, like the uh, Uncharted to that story just absolutely gets in the way of me enjoying anything about the game. In a lot of linear games, the story can be so front-loaded, and I feel like this game does such a great job of keeping the story, you know, really cohesive with what you're doing. And you're not you're not watching a lot of cutscenes, and at most you're just you're 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 having these goofy conversations through windows or with your heads up display. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I do appreciate that. I just want to mention one quick on the top protagonist thing. There's times in the game where Isaac being silent doesn't make sense to me. And I was like, why is he mm. not talking to them? Like, it's like, I, I can see why they're going to make him talk. I, I'm I'm very curious as to how they'll implement that in the new game. Like, what will he say? When will he respond? Like, will he just have a couple things to say? Or will he talk a lot? I don't know. He's going to talk. He's going to do the shit that every fucking modern game does where he talks throughout. He, he comments on the environment. Or his stress. I, I just would ruin that game. So it just it, really, I, yeah. I, I don't want that because he doesn't all. talk that much in Dead Space Two. He talks like in cutscenes, but yeah. he doesn't talk in the gameplay at all. Right. That wasn't he a does. trope back then. Right? Does he? Yeah. Uh, because uh, so I finished Dead Space and then I immediately uh, started playing Dead Space Two, and I was I just kept thinking like, who the hell is this other guy talking? I was so yeah. used to Isaac not talking. Right. But when you are walking around and you know. Uh, whoever's trying to tell you like to get to you know a certain part of the the ship uh isaac does interact right but again it's like story I, beats though right it's not like yeah. you don't like shoot an enemy and he's like oh shit right Correct. yeah yeah mm. gonna rip him a new one he doesn't say anything like yeah there's no like <laughs> <laughs> there's no duke, nukem duke quotes or anything yeah he's a riff huh? I, I, I will like, say mm. like yeah. the uh i don't know it's like I was okay with him not talking for the first 10 chapters of the game. You know, like, I feel like it, like, totally works. But I think, like, we've kind of all collectively agreed that story-wise, it kind of falls apart a little bit in the last couple chapters. And I'm just kind of thinking, for example, when he's returning the marker, like, why is he returning the marker? Because Nicole says so. Like, I think in, like, Mm. that moment, it would make sense for Isaac to be like, hey, this is, like, an eldritch horror this is like some sort of Lovecraftian shit. Like, should we talk about this? But he just kind of goes with it. And, and then like when he leaves the planet after killing the giant monstrosity at the end, he just kind of leaves the marker there. Like, should he take it back to where it originally was? Like, it was just like, like some of the, come on, should should he nuke it? The planet was destroyed. Cause remember Kendra, like, yeah, the Kendra like takes it back, and she like she has like automatic thing that can do it. Like you have to do it manually, but she can just do like oh, right. have something do it. But um, yeah, the plant, yeah, the, the like if you look up at them when you first get in that plant, there's like an asteroid, and what happens is she releases. Oh, it that's to kill right, you, the asteroid, and that yeah, blows up. Right. That blows the planet up basically. That's right. Or, okay, that's yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, I totally yeah. forgot about the asteroid, but yeah, uh, I guess my point is is that like at the end of the game, when the motivations become a little bit more complicated, maybe Isaac saying something would make sense because i don't know if like because like there were a couple of moments where i'm like why is he doing this why is he doing that you know yeah he didn't say <laughs> anything to his girlfriend at all the whole time he was seeing her i just feel like he should yeah that's also something. bonkers even though i appreciate that yeah. he shut up 
That's yeah. what I mean. It just there's time that just didn't make sense. Where he, he didn't need to have a girlfriend on on the ship. I don't think the story benefits in any way. Like it's his motivation, uh, but I agree. Yeah. But 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 what is he doing? He's repairing the ship most of the time. Yeah, but the so ship is like in dire. Him. The ship's like going to get destroyed by like all these yeah. factors. So he has no, to. No, I know. They could have taken the uh, systems shock two approach, where Shodan impersonates someone to get you to move things along. Yeah. They could have kind of just done the same thing, mm. because you're right. Like there's or Bioshock. Yeah, there's there's no friendly? emotional attachment to his girlfriend. Like you. He doesn't say anything to her. You don't care. You're just sort of like force-fed this, you know, dark story point. Yeah. I, I do love like 75% of Nicole in the sense of like how she's represented in the story, how she's like always ASMRing the whole time. And uh, like mm-hmm. all that stuff is really cool, but I think they needed to do like the other 25% work of like, making it work with Isaac's motivation, um, maybe making it more ambiguous as, as if to, if she was dead or alive. Like, I think that would have been more interesting. I I think games, I think game storytelling in general is just bad with ambiguity. Like I would like to Mm. see, I actually think the only game I've played recently that did ambiguity well was uh, returnal. Um, Mm. but otherwise it's usually not done well. Like there's this need to spell things out. And I think it would have been more interesting if they didn't spell it out with Nicole. I agree. It's like, we don't always need the answers. Don't give them to me. Sometimes it's better not to. Hmm. All right. Uh, well, there is a literal remake, a spiritual remake, and there have been other spiritual side makes that, that were, that were based off the same original, uh, IP of System Shock 2 being, you know, like Alien Isolation and Prey and stuff. So what do you guys, what do you guys think about the remake? Have you looked at any footage of this? It literally looks to me like somebody went to UE4 and just made a mock-up with the with the old, like, it's it looks like a graphics pack to me. I'm like, uh, do I need this? Yeah, I don't know if I need it, to be honest. Uh, I may buy it for my son, because mm. uh, he, he liked uh, how Dead Space looked, and he loves Alien Isolation. So... Mm. Uh, I might get him the remake. I also think it's really weird that we're getting a remake and the Callista Protocol so close together. I, Within like 60 days of each other or something like that? Yeah, like, why would you want to compete with the other game? Like, either party should not be interested in doing that. I just, yeah. I, think it's, I, think, I, think, I think it's odd. Um, yeah, and the one thing I'm looking forward to for the Callisto Protocol is uh, Glenn Schofield said I think they worked two years on the Gore engine, so hmm. I'm. It's going to be really exciting to dismember two years of hard work just on the Gore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's impressive. I I think um, I'm I'm going to play it. Um, I generally play remakes of games if they're at least worth their salt in some factor. I, I, I'm the thing with remakes and, and we've talked about this and um, is when you if you remake something and, it, and it, something about the presentation usually doesn't feel true to the spirit of the original it tends to be pro- a problem so I, I do wonder specifically with Isaac talking I saw some of the art direction it looked good Isaac's suit looks a little weird it doesn't quite look how I would imagine it in higher fidelity um, mm. I do like how they're going to do some quality of life changes. They said they're going to potentially add cut content, which is cool. Um, hmm. They also said that they're going to have a gore engine for this game too. They are showing um, after shooting a necromorph's like leg like four times, the flesh 
starts to get ripped away to the muscle down to the bone and then dismemberment. So mm. it, it sounds like kind of like, you know, how Doom Eternal had that kind of system too, where they could kind of get yeah. apart as you were fighting them. I think that could be cool. Um, I'm interested in it. I'm definitely much more interested in Callisto Protocol for obvious reasons, because it's a new game. Um, it's by Schofield himself. Um, even though I think Dead Space 2, which wasn't made by him, was very good. Um, <clears throat> I'm curious to see like what the next game by under his direction would be. So I'll play them both. Yeah. I do uh, hope that he gets creative with hit detection with the Callisto protocol and the way he did with dead space. Cause just looking at gameplay footage, it just kind of looks like he has like a generic Magnum. So I hope, mm. I hope the hit detection is still interesting. Cause I think what really made dead space special is, um, it's probably the only other game I can think of off the top of my head, except for Resident Evil 4, that really goes in all in on what you can do with shooting stuff in a game. Like, there's a lot of creativity in terms of the pu- not so much the puzzle solving, but just like you know how you take down en- enemies and like I- I'd like to see that creativity again um, because you don't really see that in video games anymore. Me too. Hmm. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm pretty skeptical of the remake. It, it looks, it looks all right. I'll probably play it. Maybe it'll come to Game Pass or something like that. But uh, I am more interested in, in the Callisto Protocol, as I've said on previous podcasts. I do hope that it it kind of takes it to the next step in some way and isn't just more Dead Space. I'll be fine if it is more Dead Space, but I'd like to see it, you know, move move the marker a little bit. Pun intended. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, it's going to be cool. I don't know. I love Alien Isolation. I, I feel like Alien Isolation is a less overall balanced. Like it has some rough spots beginning and the end. But like I, I love this kind of setting. But I also think the setting has been done really well many times. So yeah. Uh, overall thoughts. Mike, I'll let you go first. Uh, you know, it's a flawed masterpiece in my opinion. Uh, I had a great time playing it. It's it's a relatively short game. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it only took me about ten hours uh, to to, to beat. Um, there are parts that really started to bother me. Uh, kind of kind of relying too heavily on different types of jump scares. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only was it starting to get very predictable, but I I really dislike you get off the tram and you have this loud audio call interruption. That's it's it's too loud in my opinion. I don't know. I I think I'm actually kind of uh, sensitive to, to to sounds, so mm-hmm. it, it particularly irritated me. Um, otherwise, it's it's a fun game. Like the the actual combat is great in my opinion with a controller, um, because you 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 kind of feel a little bit one with the weapons, and. I had a great time. Uh, I immediately started playing Dead Space 2, so I'm looking forward to that. And I'll probably even play Dead Space 3 at this point. Let me know if you want to co-op that. Hmm. Uh, yeah, Dead Space 2 uh, appears to have some type of multiplayer aspect as well. Versus. I don't... Not very Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, I can't log in to EA through the um. game, so we'll see if any of it works. If uh, we can co-op Dead Space 3, Kevin, definitely. It's fun. It's worth it. I'm down. Cool. Oren? So, uh, maybe a hyperbole mode, a hyperbole alert. Um, mm. But uh, 
I should brand that on the podcast. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I, so in within the past couple of years, I've played through like a lot of the staples of survival horror from the 360 era. I've played through the first Bioshock, actually the whole Bioshock trilogy. But you know, anyway, Bioshock trilogy, the first Last of Us, and also Alan Wake, which in in my mind are probably like the biggest uh console ones at least and i actually think dead space is aged better than all those games um i think i think uh dead space with its flaws is consistently good from beginning to end uh i don't think bioshock is at all i think bioshock after the would you kindly reveal kind of is like okay end the game but it goes on for like five more chapters (laughs) um I think The Last of Us is still a great game, but um, it suffers from a lot of those uh, tropes of that era, like the forced walking, the naughty dogisms, um, the clunky combat, and and Alan Wake's combat's just not that good. <laughs> just to be <laughs> frank, I love everything about it, but like I feel like Dead Space has aged better than those three games because every even with its flaws, it it starts good and stays good, um, hmm. and I think it's kind of shocking that it was considered a more like minor masterpiece not even a masterpiece just like a good survival horror game back then because to me it's like clearly better than a lot of the games from that era that are considered masterpieces yeah Um, so i'm glad that the culture has shifted and now a lot of people consider it like a top 10 game from the 360 era if not top five oh yeah yeah yeah, you got to play Alien Isolation now. That's 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 the final the final one. I, I know I know you don't want to play. It, well, uh, of, of I, well, the three sixty era survival horror games. Is it, would that be three sixty era? I feel like it that's was, beginning of PS4. It's that's cross like yeah. PS4. It's like, a cross gen game. That's like Wolfenstein: The New Order. I kind of consider yeah. Wolfenstein: The New Order more PS4 era. Like that was like mm. the first one. Right. So. Kevin, um, so this is my third playthrough of this game or fourth, and. Um, you know, I love the game. I think um, if someone was to tell me, like, oh, I think it's better than RE4, like, I could see it. Like, I'm like, yeah, I understand. Like, I think, you know, RE4 is my favorite, but I think the game is, uh, yeah, I think the game is, is amazing. Like, it has some, I have some nitpicks, like, that I mentioned, but really all of that just is around, like, pulling the marker and, like, just minor, minor things. I think the, the, the way that they build up the horror, the attention to detail, the setting is probably, like, maybe the best sci-fi horror game of them all. Um, so, and the creatures are disgusting and they looked at real photos of corpses. They're like car accident victims to design them. Or I read that's so Cronenberg. And that's so disgusting <laughs> and horrifying and, and, and amazing that they would do that. So, um, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's up there with my, probably my favorite horror games of all time. I, I would put it up there. I think it's, 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 uh, worth, worth the, uh, it's got its cred. I, I hope that like, the remake does well and maybe EA can do something with it that's interesting in the future because I think the franchise has enough world building to continue so yeah worth mentioning that there is a light gun game there's an anime there was a bunch of uh, like multimedia material that was put out at the time that's that might I actually haven't watched it so I don't know if it's good or not but maybe the anime is worth watching uh, I watched the first one last week. Yeah, uh, it's not bad. It, okay. It's it's. I think it's a little cheaply done. Which mm. I, I mean, you know, it had a budget. 
uh, it had yeah. to work with. But the second one, I tried watching. I got like five minutes in. I just, I just closed it. It was, it was pretty atrocious. Uh, I could not really get past the awful CGI. Okay. Models. Good to know. Good to know. Um, I don't think this is going to surprise anybody, but I, I think it's, it's one of the the greatest games all made. I think it's probably one of the best linear games because I think it, it came out before a lot of the things that linear games tend to do often now, or at least did five years ago, that I don't like started happening. And I think Dead Space 2 actually kind of starts to f- fall down that that trap a little bit. Uh, I love the setting. Like, like I said, pretty much love everything about it except for some of the marker pulling moments at the end. And the main story is a little goofy for me and it can get tiresome. But but it, it was an, an incredible replay. Like I was surprised at how well it held up um, and I do think that's one of the reasons why I went from being a game that got like an 80 something Metacritic to now being often regarded as one of the greatest games of all time so I, I, it's aged well in my opinion I also wanted to mention that it's the game that put Visceral on the map and I think they're a really good studio I know they had they were EA Redwood Shores I think when they made this game you know I, yeah. I played uh, Age Under Fire and some of their older games I played The Godfather as well but I'm just mm-hmm. sad that uh, they got shut down by EA they were they yeah put on the battlefield train and they're making that star wars game that never got made i think that they were a really top tier dev um and i think this is probably their magnum opus game so yeah uh you can read about that jason Schreier's. is is that in press play or press reset i think it's is that in the press reset book Oren, or is it in the uh, other book i don't think it was in the i think it was in the first one i don't think it okay. was in the second one blood sweat and pixels yeah i knew it's in one of his books but i can't remember which one it was <laughs> very similar but yeah you can read about that and it's it's definitely it's sad because it, it does seem like they really had a, a team with a lot of talent that had cultivated over multiple games and it was just kind of like snipped because EA is like nah we're making you know FIFA now ultimate team I, I know also um, Schofield and a lot of the other devs like a lot of them left after the first game was made so they lost yeah. a lot of their core talent and they had to kind of rebuild yeah. for two and three because um, they went to go make Sledgehammer and make Call of Duty so yep yeah. And and now many of those people are working on the Callisto protocol. So we'll see. Uh we'll see where that goes. Uh all right. Oh, I, well. I do want to say like kind of off of that point about Glenn leaving and all that. Um one thing that I, another thing I love about Dead Space is that it feels like they made the game in mind that it was just going to be one game and they tried to knock it out of the park with one, one game. Yeah. Cuz I think we live in because after I played Dead Space, I'm like, I'm surprised they even made a sequel. Because I'm like, that's that's fine. Like that was yeah. great. Yeah. And yeah. and now I feel like I play so many games where it's like, <laughs> tune in next week, kids. <laughs> exactly. It's like just make one game. Just, you know, Dead Space like, Cinematic Universe. Not um, everything needs like three planned sequels. Just like that was the biggest. We talked about God of War on the recent podcast. Like one of my biggest disappointments with the new 2018 God of War game is that I had the impression going into it that it was just going to be one story and it's not, it was like setting up another sequel. I'm like, what the fuck? Just make one game, tell a story. So yeah, rant over. Mm. All right. Any final thoughts? Play the game. If you haven't played it, if you like horror games, it is not one to miss. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. the, the the one last thing that I at least wanted to mention was I like the boss fights in Dead Space. Mm. Yeah, uh, same. I thought they were fun. Uh, some of them kind of reminded me of like some of Half Half Life's uh, bosses. Mm. 
But I don't know. Uh, aside from the asteroid, because I guess we can consider that a boss. Uh, I thought all of them were, were, were fun. I like mm. the Leviathan actually. They yeah. talk about it so much. They kind of build into it. You have this giant yeah. thing to fight in the food storage. Yeah. The Leviathan was really fun. I actually spent a lot of time playing the basketball game. <laughs> oh, wow. I actually thought it was a really fun game. I, I played it for at least like 45 minutes. I was nice. having a good time. Do you get anything That's for awesome. doing it? Do you get a node? Yeah, you get a, if you do uh, if you get up to level six, like with every level, you get a new item, and you mm. get eventually get a node, and then like if you get to level six, you get an achievement. Oh, cool. Mm. I put it on fun. Steam, and there was no achievements on Steam at that point, so I didn't get there's no achievements on the Steam version, which sucks. Yeah, there are. Oh, on Steam. No, on Steam, Steam there's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. all right. Check out Dead Space. Uh, it's still a pretty pretty powerful game, Mike. Thanks for joining us and playing Thank the you. game. Kevin, Oren. Of course. It's been great. And uh, we will be, this This episode is filling in for regularly scheduled content. We'll be back, I believe, in two weeks, roughly. So stay tuned. Adios. Adios.